0: This episode might be the only sleep mums you ever have to listen to. Kidding. Listen to them all. They're awesome. But this is your cheat sheet, the fast track baby hacks to better sleep. Hi, I'm Kat Kuby, presenter, broadcaster and podcaster. And this is Sarah Carpenter baby sleep consultant. And now you're a podcaster too. (laughs) I'm
1: not sure I'm ever going to feel like a podcaster, but I get the bonus of having a lovely chat with you
0: every Monday morning. that was so lovely. (laughs) Together, we're the Sleep Mums. We like to keep it real, raw and as funny as your pelvic floors will allow. Parenthood has required way more in the way of fast and creative thinking than I ever imagined, especially where explosive nappies are concerned. Sure, I can totally fashion a baby grow out of a scarf. I also don't think I'm alone when I say, quite seriously, that I have developed the skills of a ninja. I can leap over and catch a falling plate or child faster than you can say Cobra Kai. As well as all these naturally acquired skills, it's also good to fill your bag with some decent baby hacks too. Just leave room for the wet wipes. As I mentioned, this week's episode is five of the best baby sleep hacks. As with all of our pods, these tips and tricks are practical and always useful. They might not all be quick fixes, but if you stick with them, you and your baby will get more sleep. Let's start at the beginning of the day with my absolute favorite baby sleep hack. I honestly didn't believe it would work when Sarah first mentioned it to me, but it really does. Our first hack is how you can set baby as your alarm clock at a reasonable, oh, it's totally morning kind of a time. In the past, we've spoken a lot about sleep associations for bedtime, but you can also create awake cues for your baby. So Sarah, can we really get baby to wake up at roughly the same time every morning? And if so, how do we make this magic happen? I'm sure parents everywhere want to know this one because it's a biggie.
1: Yes, so you definitely can. I mean, as I always say, there has to be a degree of flexibility. But as long as you're consistent, then <laughs> things are going to fall into place. So if you have your start time, for example, if you decide that 7am is your start time, then, you know, you've got your 30 minutes either side of that. So six between 6.30 and 7 and 7 and 7.30 is a good amount of time to be flexible but basically what you're going to do is make sure that you're consistent with offering your first feed of the day at seven o'clock and if you're consistent with doing that then baby is going to start to accept that as their wake-up time and you, you will always get like a little bit of a delay some mornings and a little bit of an early start other mornings but you've got that consistent time so if baby was to wake up say at half six You can do all your nappy changes and things like that and start to push towards the seven o'clock and get as close as possible. And equally, if baby's still asleep and you just fancy a lion one day, then you can leave them that little bit longer. But what you're aiming for is more often than not, baby being awake at seven and feeding at seven
0: in many ways, this is like what we've spoken about before, the habitual stuff that surrounds sleep. So that's where the bedtime routine comes in. And also in the morning, you know, if you're feeding baby their breakfast feed, if you like, at seven o'clock every morning, after a certain amount of time, that's when they begin to go, oh, I'm hungry for that. And that's when I'll wake up for that feed, because I'm hungry. And so it kind of, it doesn't work immediately, as we've said, but it, over time it does become ingrained because it becomes a habit so I mean it's clearly not quite as simple as setting your alarm and choosing what perky song you're going to wake up to <laughs> as we say it can take time so what what kind of time scale are we talking about like say your baby is waking at five forty five, and you, you're going Sarah this that's rubbish I'm never going to get them anywhere near seven o'clock how would you go about getting towards that time
1: So again, you want to be looking at your full day and you want to make sure that your naps are obviously correct as well. But then you want to start to just eat things out a little bit each day. So, you know, remember your three to five day rule. And over that period of time, you know, if baby's waking up at 5.45 then you want to be resettling them for sort of 10, 15 minutes each day and just pushing it out gradually. And eventually you'll get to your magic time, whatever that might be 10 o'clock in the morning when we'll <laughs> all get up for like
0: coffee and a fryer.
1: <laughs> That's my next point. Be practical, be realistic. Think about your lifestyle. It's all well and good when you're both on mat leave and paternity leave and you can have a little bit of a lazy lion, but once you're back at work or you want to go back to classes when you're allowed things like that you know you've got to actually plan for that so yeah as nice as it sounds to get up at 10 o'clock in the morning it's not really a good long-term goal obviously the three to
0: five rule is the sleep mom's golden rule and there's an episode all about that so if you've not listened to that uh, we would definitely recommend that you do Is there a wee bit of personality involved in this? I would say this worked an absolute wonder with my daughter, partly perhaps because I was really consistent about it, but she did go from, as we know, waking all hours of the night and early rises to being almost on the dot with seven o'clock every morning for close to the first three years of her life after I met you. My son was not quite, is consistent. So, is there personality involved in this, or was it actually just more down to the fact that I was more consistent with her?
1: There is definitely a degree of personality, not massively, and you can obviously, you know, if you're consistent and stick to things, then you can really dictate things. But yes, you're naturally going to get some early risers and some later risers, but it's just tweaking it to within your time scales. Nothing before six o'clock really is acceptable
0: yeah you want to be pushing that because otherwise you've got you know a very long day ahead exactly we mentioned the sleep mom's golden rule the three to five days idea this hack in particular can take a wee bit longer than that but don't lose heart getting a solid and consistent wake-up time is totally worth fighting for as it helps to set up your whole day it's also probably worth noting that the later you start this idea with baby not later in the morning i mean the older they are the longer it's likely to take for them to get used to their or your breakfast o'clock so it's it's good idea to try and get this in place depending on what time you want it to be um as soon as you're kind of beginning to formulate more of a routine in your day Okay, next up, the hack of helping baby to wake up at roughly the same time in the morning is genius, but it really only works if you look at the other end of the day too. So our second hack is set a bedtime alarm. Going to bed at the same time every night is good for baby and it's actually good for you too. Some research has shown that a regular bedtime for adults is as important as the hours we clock sleeping. In a way, this is a bedtime routine hack. We've spoken about the importance of putting the dominoes or the, the associations in place so baby falls down to sleep. But the timing is really important too.
1: It is. It's not just the timing for the overnight; It's all the sleep. So, you know, your morning alarm is really only going to work if the baby is getting the right amount of sleep at night and during the day. So you need to think about your bedtime As we've spoken about in previous podcasts, you don't want an overtired baby going to bed because it's just not going to work. You're then encroaching on that overnight sleep. So once you've got your wake-up time, you can sort of work back to your bedtime. But realistically, most babies are going to be going to bed between 6.30 and 7.30 at the latest in order to then wake up and start their day in time. Obviously, you're not going to put a baby to bed at half six, seven o'clock at night which is when they really need it and expect them to wake up much, much later in the morning. So you are still using your 10 to 12 hour rule and most babies will average out at that quite quickly. But take your naps into consideration as well. So you are definitely getting the right breaks between waking up from naps and going to bed at night and waking up in the morning and having the first nap.
0: We've spoken about this before. I think a lot of people and parents start with bedtime sleep because that's when we all want to be going to sleep and getting some rest but you kind of have to look at your whole day in the morning as we've spoken about the first hack is the absolute best place to start with setting up the foundation for your whole day and night I think that would surprise a lot of people and clearly we talk about being a wee bit flexible in terms of routine because we know that families are different and setups are different and and how you want your day to look like is different, but the requirements or needs of the baby are fairly across the board. Like it's both it's both the surprising and comforting thing that all babies need the same sort of amount of milk and sleeps during the day.
1: You know, you're, you're absolutely right. We all are desperate to get our nights back. Once we've had a baby, the automatic reaction is to think, okay, it's all about the overnight. But actually, if you do work backwards, you know, starting your day at the right time, leading into your naps, into your second third nap, and then into bedtime, you've actually achieved what you want much faster by focusing on your full day. Um, and one of the things to really remember is that if you are trying to work on a start time to your day, you need to think about your overnight feeding as well so if baby does wake up at say five o'clock in the morning and has a feed because they need that feed then you just want to resettle them and then wake them again for that seven o'clock feed so you're not saying okay well this morning they've woken up five so I'm just going to let them go and essentially miss the morning feed you are actually going to wake them for that one too.
0: We are getting a little bit tongue-tied within all of this because we sort of jump back to talking about mornings but I guess that just reinforces how tied in together they are and I guess also why we put the morning one as the very first hack because if you sort that one out and then you have a wee look at your day you will come to the bedtime alarm the time that you want or need that to be and as you always say it's really really useful to just Note down, ha- take a few days and note down naturally when you feel like baby is ready for these things, whether it's naps or bedtime and you will begin to see a natural routine coming out. You'd be surprised that oh, whether well, they're always hungry at this time or they're always a bit sleepy or grumpy at this time.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's something that I always say to people to keep a diary. And it's amazing how many people I speak to who say, oh, we've got no routine. And then they write things down for three days and they come back and say, oh, look, we've actually got the backbone of a routine. Now we just need to tweak it. So it is really worth doing that.
0: And just whilst we're on the bedtime alarm, it's worth saying again, even though we've kind of touched on it, that just because you put baby to bed later, does not mean they will sleep later. In fact, often the opposite is true.
1: Absolutely. It's that overtired baby and you're not going to get a good settled sleep from them. So put them to bed later when they're overtired and they're going to wake up more frequently throughout the night and earlier.
0: Yeah, unfortunately you've got to wait for the teenage years, I think, for a lion (laughs) and then you'll be booting them out of bed. So whilst we're at bedtime, let's talk about another bedtime hack, or maybe I should say bedtime snack. This hack is about doubling down on milk feeds as you get closer to bedtime. We've spoken about in the early days planning out cluster feeds so they work for you rather than feeling like your body or your kitchen become all-night venues. Uh, But this idea really doesn't just stop with a newborn either.
1: No it doesn't so you want to be thinking about your feeds and the way I would describe it is to split feed so there's lots of variations of this but the sort of the most popular one I would say is probably to give a feed around about sort of four o'clockish and then you do another one just before a bath and then another one at bedtime so really you're having within the last three hours of the day you're looking at getting three feeds in which obviously across the other parts of the day you're looking at three to four hours between feeds so it really is condensing that back end of the day just to make sure that you've maximized what baby takes and they're ready and nice and full and ready to settle.
0: Now I call this a snack and that kind of goes contrary to what we talk about like not wanting baby to snack so how does this work in terms of making sure they get full feeds why is it better at this time of the day why does it work?
1: So the four o'clock feed is definitely still a full feed. And then because baby's starting to get tired, a little bit cranky, essentially the the sort of middle feed is a bit of a snack feed. It might be half a bottle or it might be one side if you're breastfeeding. But it's going to give them that little energy boost just to see them through bath time and getting ready for bed so that they've then got the energy and they're awake enough to take a proper feed at bedtime what you find if you don't give them that little energy boost is that actually by the time they've done bath time and they've got into their jammies they're exhausted and they actually can't take a full feed because they're just falling asleep
0: on it and i guess that kind of i mean my kids still have they have dinner and then they have a, a snack before bed so it's not something that disappears with babies or toddlers either and no. i am still a bit paranoid about wanting to make sure that the last thing they're going to wake up for yeah. is is because they're hungry
1: yeah definitely i think you know we all tend to sort of have our dinner and then have something else a little bit later on so it goes right through to adulthood as well
0: I guess it's a bit Mary Poppins sounding to be like, have supper done or something. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of what it is, whether it's like it's still a kind of hot milk and cookies kind of yeah. after dinner vibe when they're older. And I, I guess maybe if it, it might be helpful to think of that in terms of baby. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on from milk and bottles, here's another genius bedtime hack. It's the other kind of baby bottle, So that's our fourth hack. You probably know the one about hot milk before bedtime. We've been talking about that in terms of supper and that kind of Mary Poppin' style. But the reason that hot milk works both for babies and adults is it raises our core temperature. And when we go to sleep, our body temperature naturally cools. So if you raise it more than is kind of normal, i.e. having the hot milk and drinking it in then we actually speed up the process of going to sleep. That all sounds a bit, listen to the science, but um, it's actually really clever. I love that. It actually has this kind of methodology behind it. But another way to do this and ensure a drowsy baby stays drowsy when we put them down to bed
1: is either a hot water bottle or a little wheat pack. So you can just pop them into the crib and it just warms the sheets up and warms the little area up for them. But it's really, really, really important to make sure that you always remove it before you put the baby in. And obviously just check that there's not... If you're using a hot water bottle, just check that there's been no leaks and just, you know, check that it's not too hot. And talking about the science a bit... That also is really important to remember when you're doing baby's bath because you don't want to keep them in the bath for too long as they then their body temperature then starts to cool too much when they come out. So baby baths are very short and speedy just to keep the body temperature stable so that they are also ready for going to bed. They're not getting too cool when they come out of the bath.
0: You reminded me, because there's, like a, there's a, an ideal time for a bath, isn't there, before bedtime. It's something like an hour or so before bed. Is that the ideal time yep. to get baby in the right temperature <laughs> or cooling point, I guess, for sleepiness?
1: Yeah, it's about 45 minutes to an hour before bed. And that just means that, you know, and like I said, just keeping it very, very short. So your baby, baby, baby bath, as we've spoken about in previous in podcasts, is like, Five minutes, uh, where people think you know they allocate all this time of day for a bath, and actually it's a really quick dip, and you want to keep them really cosy when they're in the bath. I think we've talked about the hack of using the muslin in one of our other episodes, but if- I don't think we have. You're getting a bonus oh, hack. <laughs> go for it, Sorry, bonus hack. <laughs> we could keep it for
0: another one, but whilst we're here, people will be like, "No, tell me the muslin hack." Right, go for it another thing to use muslins for amazing
1: <laughs> so yeah anytime you're doing a baby bath you want to just pop a muslin into the bath when you've got the bath at the night temperature getting nice and wet pop baby in and then just cover the baby with the muslin so it's like a little blanket in the bath and it just means that the body temperature is staying static um
0: just having spoken about being a ninja at the beginning of the episode My son really liked the area around his sheets being warm, the air temperature being warmer. And if I ever forgot to make up a hot water bottle or the heat pack, what I would try and in a kind of very ninja style do is if I was feeding him with one arm, use my hand to rub quite vigorously on his cot to kind of warm it up. So you can also do that if you don't want to be using any kind of heat source you can just literally kind of rub the sheet with your hand which will transfer the warmth from your hand.
1: And also tight blankets work really well as well so before you put baby down you just remove any of the blankets that you're not going to use but you can layer up the blankets before you put baby in so they're just tightly wrapped around the mattress and that'll just warm up the area that baby's actually going into and then just remove what you don't need
0: i just realized that i was very vigorously uh rubbing the air there to to show what i
1: meant (laughs) but that
0: doesn't really work as this is a podcast i'm also quite glad that i record at home and not in a cafe or something because i think i would have been getting some pretty strange (laughs) 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 things We talk about habit a lot when it comes to sleep, whether it's the comforting habitual pattern of a bedtime routine or the hacks we've already mentioned earlier in this episode, going to bed at the same time or, of course, getting up at the same time. This final hack is one that works for the long term. You are setting up another habit, and it is a really important one, but it's also one that surprises a lot of parents. So, Sarah, what is our final sleep hack?
1: It's one of my favorites. Don't change baby's nappy overnight unless it's a poo. What? So we're not saying that you've got to leave a baby in a saturated nappy. Of course, if the nappy is full and you can tell it's full, then you're going to change it. But what you don't want is to create a baby who is happy to sleep through the night because they're not hungry but suddenly starts to wake up because of the pee that they've just done and as soon as they've done that pee they want their nappy changed. I'm going to (laughs) sneeze. And
0: you could just feel it
1: tickling. Oh, right, we're not saying have a baby lying in a heavy, wet, saturated nappy, but ideally, if they have not pooed, then you don't want to be faffing around changing them. One, it overstimulates them, and two, you don't want to create a baby that's then waking up overnight for a nappy change. They're not hungry, they're just waking to get their nappy change, and then they get into the habit of having a little snack because that's how you choose to settle them. So, yeah really really important if there's no poo don't
0: change i think in those early days when you have newborn you know you're some of the nappies that have that line that tells you whether they've weed or not and because they do so many poos in those early days you become quite anxious about making sure you're changing nappies all the time and I remember being so surprised about this one I was like no I can't possibly let them be in a wet nappy overnight particularly with my son who had you know had skin issues and continues to, to be eczema prone and was allergic to all manner of creams and things you just couldn't put anything on him without reacting to it but it totally is the right Way to go. And as you say, even if it's not just for the fact that they're getting used to it, the stimulation of getting baby up, getting them changed is such a palaver that unless it is a poo, it's definitely worth avoiding to keep everyone sleeping better overnight.
1: Absolutely. It really is. Um, and the thing is, as well, what you're saying about the nappies, a lot of people will find that when they start to leave them that bit longer, they might have an occasional leak. It's always good to not be stuck on one type of nappy. So think about other brands, think about going up a size overnight. And if you need to, you know, like you were saying about skin conditions, eczema and things like that, you can use lots of barrier cream if you need to before bed, just to help that area.
0: I have a friend who used to put a sanitary towel in the nappy because her, so that it was, so it was like a double nappy situation (laughs) because she would put like a bigger nappy. I don't, I guess maybe it was like the placement or something. I'm not, not quite sure, but yeah, basically to make it even more absorbent.
1: Yeah, I mean, some brand of nappies are better for boys because they have extra absorbency at the front, and some brands are better for girls because it's more in the middle. So you know, you really? might have found. Oh yeah, a hundred percent.
0: But this sort of like gender biased nappies.
1: Although I guess it kind of makes
0: sense. They don't. They don't say that on the wrapper, though, do they?
1: It's definitely. I mean, over the. 20 plus years of using nappies it's definitely something that I've become very very aware of and between the boys and Emily I changed my nappies completely.
0: Right fascinating but also as you briefly mentioned that it's also really worth going up a size at certain points obviously if you've got a wee teeny tiny baby that can be difficult because you don't want to have leaks around the legs but I definitely Noticed the bigger that they got, that going up a size at night time worked better. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it is. Constant change, as with everything.
0: So, normally we do a listener question at this point in the show, but what we wanted to do, rather than doing a question, we wanted to throw it out to you guys and for you to get in touch with your best baby sleep hacks and we can share them with all the parents that I think will. Really, really appreciate them. So get in touch with us online at The Sleep Mums, both on Instagram or Facebook or on our website, and let us know your best baby sleep hack. So that's five baby sleep hacks that really work. You might have seen the memes or heard the stories about stroking a tissue down a baby's face or rubbing the bit in between their eyes as being some sort of life-changing hack to get baby to sleep. I know I've seen the videos too, but anecdotally, me, my pals, Sarah, I don't think I've ever seen this actually work. (laughs) The hacks we've chatted about today are tried and tested. And while some might take a wee bit of perseverance to be effective, they really do work. Like I said at the start, this episode is kind of like a crib sheet of hacks, but if you haven't listened to the other Sleep Mums episodes, there's plenty more shortcuts to better baby sleep in those too. And if you've been listening for a while, you're amazing, and we'd love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast, write us a lovely review, they really do help, and come and find us on social media and give us a wee follow or a like. We are on a mission to help all parents get more sleep, and you can help us simply by getting the word out there, because we believe We're all in this together. Look after yourselves and sleep soon.